hello. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, I went to say, hey, and it, I did, it didn't work very well. Anyway, <laughs> hey guys, I'm Caitlin. I'm just a bookish babe. And I'm Michelle and I'm from the Unfinished Bookshelf. And together we're better words. We are better words. Every time, every time I go to say we are better words, I think that I need to say it like in Pitch Perfect 2 when they're like, we are dust sound machine, you know, <laughs> we are better words. Anyway, I just love Pitch Perfect. Anywho, I know the first thing that we actually have to talk about. What is it? Better words club club. What? Oh, what? <sighs> okay. Things as Michelle maybe doesn't remember. I have to tell this story. So a few weeks ago, I saw on a post in the Lady Gang Facebook group, people asking for recommendations for other podcasts. And wait, someone- wait, wait, wait. Did you mean to say Babysitter's Club? Oh, club? <laughs> That's why I- Better Words Club. Oh. And I was like, what? I honestly have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, okay. Okay. So. Babysitter's Club Club. I'll just keep going from where I was at. You're not allowed to delete that because you left in that embarrassing thing about me forgetting John Lennon's date of death. So you keep that in, please. Well, it's the only thing I know about the Beatles. Okay. (laughs) So, yeah, sorry. Where I was actually at with the story, um, a few weeks ago in the Lady Gang Facebook group, there was a post, um, you know, asking for Dick. For recommendations of different podcasts, <laughs> you know that wouldn't that you know wouldn't surprise me. Recommendations yeah. for different podcasts. Let's stick with that. Someone suggested the Babysitters Club Club, a podcast where two thirty-something men <laughs> read through the Babysitters Club series book by book. I thought that that was amazing subscribed immediately um I didn't start listening to it for a few weeks because I was just listening to other things I think but um I definitely you know I didn't tell you I told my roommate who was also friends with Michelle shared podcast lover we all all three of us have a fair (laughs) amount in common but um I definitely told her about this podcast and then earlier this week Michelle said to me oh Mon told me about this amazing podcast. It's called the Babysitter's Club Club. And I was like, no, no, I was saving it to talk about it on the podcast. And I didn't tell you, but I told her about that. And I was like, no, you owe it to me. And then when I tried to tell Mon about this, about what happened, she was like, are you sure you told me? I think someone, she was like, are you sure you told me? I think I saw it in a, in a Facebook post or someone tagged me in it or something. And I was like, no, I saw it on the lady game weeks ago. I was like, I told you. So just another little anecdote to the story. I saw a, an article, not about the podcast, but about like the babysitters club. I actually didn't read the article. I just saw it and immediately sent it to Mon. Cause I was like, Hey, you were telling me about the podcast. You, you'll like this. And then she sent me back the article from, or the, the story from the New York Times, it's the New York Times or maybe the New Yorker um, called Cat Person, which is like going viral, which I still haven't read at this point in time. Um, but I had been tagged in a tweet by Jasmine from Oxford. Um, and the tweet was something like, I'm just going to find it now because it's I, I can't do it justice if I just make it up off the top of my head, it's not as funny. It's probably going to be like the biggest letdown. Okay. You, a nerd, have you read about cat person? Me, well-informed on topical items. Uh, he goes by Yusuf Islam now. 
<laughs> and that was funny because I'd just been to seeing Cat Stevens. And that is from a Twitter user at Burgo Espuno. I don't think I said that right. But anyway, um, it was quite funny and I think I just made it not funny. Anyway, no, that's all right. I get it. Yeah, it's good. It was it was a nice little anecdote onto that. So Yes. Yeah. Well, yes. My point being that Michelle and Mon are like I'm talking sorry. about this podcast like they came up with it and it was totally me. Oh my God. <laughs> to be fair, you didn't come up with it. The two people who are reading the books came up with it. Well, yes. Yeah. The babysitters. You found it though. Yes. I've listened to the first five episodes in the past two days. Oh my goodness. Is it good? It's so good. (laughs) I love it. You're going to love it because I mean, you know, they're reading about like 12 year old girls and they're like, let's talk about feminism. (laughs) You know, actually, you have to start listening to it. You know, what we haven't done on this um, podcast for a while is talk about other podcasts that we listen to. And we said we were going to do it a while ago. Well, I said I was going to do it. Mm. So you've been listening to the Babysitters Club. Yes, that's my latest favorite. Um, I listen to people have been telling me to listen to the dollop for ages. And now I'm imagining the Babysitters Club books, but read by the guys from the dollop, um, which if you've listened to the dollop, it's just the really like gruff American guys. So I have been slowly picking interesting episodes of the dollop, like, Um, Yeah, ones that catch your interest. Yeah, like, okay, so I just listened to one about the Tylenol killings, which was really bizarre, and obviously the whole murder aspect. I was like, oh, I might like this one. But um, in the past I've really liked the um, episodes about the, um, oh, gosh. No, it's totally gone from my head. Um, But basically they have a couple of um, cool episodes with the girls from my favorite murder um things like when the cars came about when cars appeared on american roads it's just american history podcast um so that's quite cool that's been quite fun and then so one of the podcasts i've been listening to recently and it's actually it's not got any new episodes out yet but i listened to the first season when i was in the uk and it was a really nice chatty podcast and i felt like i had company and caitlin i think you would really enjoy this is called get it off your breasts by emma gannon who hosts one of my other favorites control alt delete and liana bird i hope i pronounced that right but i probably didn't um and so each week they have like conversations where they get something off their breasts so an issue that's been either frustrating them or that's been in the media um and it's just they all three people because they always have a guest with Mm -hmm. them um pick an issue that they then talk about like they had like one that springs to mind is sharenting so like Mm -hmm. how much do you share about your kids on social media um they had like talk about sexual predators um on sleep shaming which was like you know how much you know, when people are like, oh, well, I only had like three hours sleep and I'm doing this or like, oh, you know, yeah, like things like that. <laughs> or like parents who might compete with you are like, oh, I've had less sleep than you, so you do. Or, you know, it yeah. was just a really interesting conversation and a, a lot of um, a lot of things that I just had never considered before and that's what's good about it. And also yeah, it's all female. Yeah, that does sound really interesting. So that's a really, really fun one as well. And another more serious one um, was called How Do You Sleep, which, again, has stopped for its season. Um, But it is – oh, sorry, it's called How Do You Sleep at Night? Um, And it is by – 
again, I have, it's by one of the reporters at Hack, which I listen to on an almost daily basis. Um, and it has got some really interesting topics. So, um, things like the tobacco industry, um, abortion clinic protesters, stock market manipulator, the killer and big game hunters are just some of the episode. Um, so it's, yeah, people like literally who will get thrown at them, like, how do you sleep at night? Wow. And it's really confronting. Um, like the killer one, I actually couldn't get the whole way through because it was pretty bad, but it's also really good journalism. Um, wow. So, yeah, those are some podcasts that I've found lately that I would recommend. Well, good. Woo. <laughs> I definitely think you should listen to the Babysitter's Club Club as well. I think I should add that to my Just list. Just like quickly, really quickly. <laughs> you read them when you were oh, younger? I think some of them, but to be honest, I, this will shock you, no doubt, was more into Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys. Yeah, totally um, makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I loved the Babysitter's Club books. I know I didn't read them all. I don't even know how I was reading them. Probably I don't even know like, how many there are. They've got to be hundreds, like right? A, like 130 something, I think they said in oh one of the episodes goodness. the other day. Yeah. Actually, funnily enough, not quite like me as much, but my favorite Babysitters Club books were like the super mysteries. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, enough about Babysitters Club. I need to talk about the Christmas Prince. Okay. Let's talk about this disastrous but also amazing, amazing movie. movie. It's so. so- bizarre it's so bizarre but you know what bugged me about for half the movie until i googled it the fact that she, oh wait no, no like who okay, the main yeah. actresses who the main actress was and yeah. i googled it and she was on once upon a time playing tinkerbell oh she's a kiwi oh which is why cool. i thought her american accent was a bit weird but yeah. everyone else is supposed to be like vaguely european g- general roughly i don't know they're all sound american slightly english like it's a bit all over the <laughs> place isn't it it's the weirdest. Well, because it's a fake it's country. Such a ridiculous, fake country? But it's such a ridiculous movie. Like as I was reading this great pedestrian article, which we should definitely link, but okay. be warned if you don't want the entire movie spoiled, don't read it. But they were like, um, so why is it a Christmas movie? Because apart from the fact that his coronation is on Christmas Eve, there's actually nothing like he's not related to santa claus or anything like there's nothing movies don't have to be about like santa or elves or anything like that they're about families at christmas well yeah literally the only thing is that christmas is happening in this movie it's it's got nothing else also as they quite rightly pointed out why was the king putting that very important proclamation spoilers in the ugly acorn decoration that's he was going to give it to his wife. He makes handmade decorations and gives them to his wife every year and died before he got to give her that one. That's fair enough, but why would you put a very important document in one? Like it's just It was a gift. It wasn't the legal document. It was like he actioned this before he died and that was like the gift version in so my head. If he can do that, why wouldn't he make it so that his daughter could rule if she wanted to? To be fair, Oh, you just no, no, love no. this movie. No, no, no. Oh, okay, my God. No. no. <laughs> to, to, like, yes, yeah. that is a good point. Women should be allowed to rule, you know, without having a husband or whatever it is. But the Even point, then they're not allowed to because it would have gone to cousin what's his yeah, face. Yeah, I know. But the point, the point being, the point was that 
This is a complete spoiler. If you, I hope you skipped this part. If you don't want this movie spoiler, spoiled. if you don't want this ridiculous movie spoiled, but like it's so silly. They had their adopted son because they thought that they couldn't have children, and then their younger daughter was a complete miracle. So then later on, when he makes the proclamation right before he dies that he's adopt, like that adopted princes can also rule. Why couldn't he just make it like gender neutral? Answer me that. Because this movie is ridiculous. I mean, I don't think they thought that much about the they legal document. They definitely the point, didn't think this much through in the well, movie. Well, no. The point of no. the the point of this gesture was that well, so gross coming time and doesn't have to rule. You can rule. Can we talk about the ridiculous like tropes, like the whole like oh she's wearing Converse with a ball gown and like oh and the total Prince Harry party boy. Thing. Yeah, the yeah. party boy and when the, he's really nice and the whole life. like oh I'll yell at this person who actually ends up being important later in the show. Oh, and, totally. Like, when when he stole oh. her cab, I was like, that's the prince. <laughs> yeah, there was so like as soon as that happened, you're like, yeah, that's the you know there were so many cliches. Yet I still watched the entire thing. Of course. And yeah. was like, oh, I've got to keep watching. Like it just, you know, I, I kind of hate myself a bit for liking watching. I just can't. But it's so silly. And, <laughs> and next week we'll be talking about Christmas Inheritance. Oh, will we? I don't know. I it's really got the girl don't. from the Sleepover Club in it. Okay, I'll watch it just for that because I used to love the Sleepover Club I and Rosie Sleepover. was my favourite. Yes, Rosie was Speaking my favourite Speaking of books, actually, well. I probably read more Sleepover Club books than I did Babysitter Club but I definitely read Tons of sleepover club, sleepover club books. Caitlin, How did I never know this? I don't know. Maybe you didn't go to the library, which is not true because you totally did. But they I were totally all did. in my library in the ah. teen section, and I felt like such a grown up when I was ten, and I was going into like the teen section to get the sleepover. I club wouldn't books. really class the sleepover club as teen as being. I wouldn't think they deserve to be in the teen section. Well. Middle As grade. a ten-year-old, I felt important going oh, into totally. the teen section to get them. In Argument my, in, aside, I was like, oh, "I'm so grown up." Yeah, no, totally. I mean, we've oh, all had that reading ahead yeah. of our time. How yeah. do I not know the sleepover club book? So something else I've been watching since I was in the UK, and I watch it like every morning. It's like my guilty pleasure in the morning is a show called Fresh Meat. And it's got Jack Whitehall in it and he's really funny. And um, I actually don't know the names of the other um, actors because why would I be prepared for this? I don't know. Anyway, I am actually like loving this show. It's, again, quite ridiculous about these students living in a share house in Manchester. Um, So it was it was on Netflix and I thought it was just on Netflix UK, but when I got back to Australia, I found out it was actually, we had all the seasons here and I'm just about, you, you came over tonight just as I was about to finish watching the last episode. Uh, but it's just one of those really fun kind of irreverent comedies that you can just pop on and know it's going to be funny. Yeah. There are a few like touching moments. Um, but yeah, really it's just a fun comedy and I enjoy it and it's so very British and it's, it's just enjoyable and I love it. So (laughs) I'm a little bit sad that my time with fresh meat is about to come to an end. Yeah. I hate when that happens with TV shows. So sad, isn't it? Mm. And the um, the other thing I wanted to mention tonight too, or today, or whenever you're listening, <laughs> is that I finished Untidy Towns by Kate O'Donnell just and recently. Is promptly lending it to me and I'm yes. about to start reading it. Yes. Uh, really, really loved it. 
really loved it. Definitely an underrated book of the year. Um, UQP put out some really great books. Like they yeah. put out like Pip Harry's books. Mm-hmm. Um, also Claire Zorn, who's another author who I keep telling Caitlin to read. Yeah. <laughs> Too many recommendations. I know there's so many books and so little time. Uh, but I really loved Untidy Towns. And as I was just about to write in my review before you got here tonight, um, it's quite interesting that I finished it as all the results for the OPs and stuff were being released in yeah. <laughs> Rocky because because or in Queensland because that's um a big theme of the book is like finishing Your school goal. and yeah. stuff and it's just it was just interesting timing because I've obviously been reflecting on it when reporting on it at work mm. and stuff and so it was interesting to finish it but I yeah loved it gorgeous writing gorgeous book and I think you're really going to enjoy it too yeah I can't wait Yay. to read it yeah. okay well that's enough of us gushing about what we're currently reading, listening, and watching. Yes. We are super excited today um, to bring you a very special interview with one of our favorite bloggers. And Caitlin's just really jealous that she hasn't met her in person yet. And I've seen her twice. So unfair. Yes. But yeah, keep listening and she'll be with you in a second. Our guest this week is a writer whose work has appeared in Huffington Post UK and The Olive Fox, among other places. She blogs at Almost Amazing Grace. She's an unlikely survivor and shamelessly body and sex positive. She's part of the Scarlet Ladies team, all about empowering women to celebrate sexuality. We love her social media feeds and I, for one, am absolutely obsessed with her cat, Harvey. Coffee connoisseur, book lover and all-round gorgeous person, welcome to Better Words, Grace Latter. Hi. Yay. Yay. Oh, that was such a grand intro. I love it so much. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, well, to be perfectly honest, um, everybody who's listening to this, we've had a bit of trouble um, <laughs> connecting and recording this. So Grace has heard that intro about three times. <laughs> yeah, it, it, never time gets old, guys. it never gets old. <laughs> yeah, just keep talking about me, please. <laughs> um, so poor, poor Caitlin is the only person that she hasn't got to meet Grace yet. No. Because Grace um, and I met up in London. And then this last weekend, while Grace has been staying in Australia with her family, um, because we had the same flight from Dubai to Australia, which was amazing, um, we went and checked out some awesome bookshops in Brisbane. Oh, yes. What did you think of the bookshops that Michelle took you to in Brisbane? They were fantastic. And I loved that, like, there were three awesome bookshops in this one particular area we went to, like, on the same street. That just blew my mind a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> it's a- but like Michelle, we can now say we've gone book shopping together on two sides of the world. That is amazing. That's pretty cool. That is really cool. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> and and um, I heard already um, this afternoon since Michelle's gone back that you made her buy some UK YA and she made you buy some Australian YA. I did. We went into the secondhand bookshop first, Bent Books. Um, and uh, we were just sort of looking around and I saw, um, well, actually I saw an Australian edition of The Bad Beginning, the first book in a series of unfortunate events. Oh, and I yeah. Went, oh, I, I love these editions. I keep meaning to buy one. It was only a tenner, so I was like, yep, okay, I'll get that. And then Michelle then um, gave me another one. Yes, because that was the one in the second hand shop. 
she gave me one and said, this is a really great book. It was, and I've got it here. It's Girl Development <laughs> by Simone Howe. And um, like you just kind of pushed it and said, this is awesome. You have to read it. Yeah. That's so good. I was like, okay. Guilty. Any recommendation, I trust. So I took it. And then in uh, Avid Readers, well, Where the Wild Things Are, bookshop further down the street, um, she recommended Wildlife by Fiona Wood. Um, so I picked up both of those. And then I said, oh, and now you can read two of my favorite UK YA reads of this year. Um, Flight of a Starling by Lisa Heathfield, who is just a beautiful writer and a beautiful person. I've had the privilege of um, chairing a panel with her in, and um, she's just in and out lovely. She writes, actually, she writes all her books by hand. Yep. Really? Oh well, my god! That she is like, an amazing thing in this day and age. And she mm. sits with a notebook all day, and she just writes and writes. And she said she goes into like another zone, um, and kind of wait, you know, wakes up towards the end of the day, and she realizes that you know she's got an empty cup of tea, and you know, and like however many pages, and she said she just goes into like a writing zone, which is so cool. Um, and then That's the awesome. other book was uh, The Loneliest Girl in the Universe by the awesome Lauren James, um, who I sort of got in contact with um, on Twitter through UKYA chat. Um, and she actually like um, sent me a copy of her first novel, The Next Together, um, that she'd annotated in like a glittery pen um, because she saw that I was like raising money online and um, donating my hair at the time. And uh, so she and I have been like quite close online friends and we've met up a couple times since then. And I can safely say I've read her three novels. So the next together, uh, the, oh my goodness, I can't remember, The Last Beginning. Um, oh, I've got them. They're in the other bookshelf. <laughs> the um, Last Beginning? Is, is that, that the new beginning? Yes. Um, Oh, last beginning should have gone with yes. my gut and the loneliest girl in the universe i think it's really really close but i think the loneliest girl in the universe is my favorite because it surprised me so much and i won't say anymore because mm. michelle has to read it <laughs> <laughs> i shall yes i'm really looking forward to it and they kind of match too in like same sort of yeah, color schemes do. and stuff they're really beautiful books and i put them on twitter <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll share the photos. And um, the other one that Grace got me to buy in the in the UK was called Here I Stand, and it's some um, stories of uh, stories, poems, essays inspired by um, like human yes, rights activism and stuff. Awesome so I'm really looking forward to that one. One of my favourite publishers in the UK. Yes. <laughs> um, so. Let's talk about what's happening currently for you, which is that yeah, you are enjoying a summer in Australia I instead know, of being I, in snowy, I'm snowy England. My cousins and you know, well, all my relatives out here that you know their idea of like the idyllic UK Christmas with the snow and you know and the sleighs and all that kind of stuff. I'm always telling them, oh, that hardly ever happens. We we never have white Christmases, you know. Um, snow normally <laughs> comes in like January, February kind of time. Uh, and which is still great because we get to miss school, but um, but no, it ne it never snows at Christmas. And then of course, the one year that I go away and I come out here for a hot Christmas, it snows in the UK. Um, but I've seen all the all the photos I've seen look fantastic, yeah, and it's, it's just so, so lovely to see. So yeah. Well, to be fair, um, 
my roommate who I'm living with, my aunt, um, has moved here from, well, moved to Queensland from South Australia. And she keeps saying to me like, oh, it's getting hot and everything. And I'm like, I go, oh, no, it doesn't really get hot here until like January, February, same sort of thing. Mm. But now we're expecting a huge heat wave like this week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, we said that to you before, Grace, and you asked how hot hot was and I was like yeah oh, like yes. probably like 40 degrees yeah like early 40s <laughs> yeah like late late 30s to give some perspective 40s. here okay yeah, we had a weird we had like a hot week in London in March this year and I was interning at the time um with Walker Books and um I messaged my family because we have this group chat and I messaged them and said oh my goodness guys I just heard on the radio this morning um, I'm in London. There's going to be a heat wave this week. Today, it may get up to 18 degrees. <laughs> and, my fa- and I was so excited. And my family, <laughs> my um, youngest, well, my 16-year-old cousin replied and went, wait, what? That's a heat wave for you? The Grace, that's so cold. <laughs> and I was like, oh. Cold pulse is like minus numbers. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Like out in Queensland especially – like our winter temperatures is like maximum twenty two. Like, <laughs> let me check what the temperature is here. Right, it's right twenty seven degrees in Rockhampton right now. Right now, and it is like getting dark outside. It's twenty four in Brisbane though. Brisbane was nice this weekend. Mm. It wasn't too it hot. Was there was a beautiful breeze when we were when we were checking out Brisbane. It oh, was gorgeous. So by the time we air this episode, it's probably going to have been the heat wave. But anyway, um, so Grace, what have you been doing in Australia? Oh my goodness, so far, um, I uh, well, when I was booking um, my flight, I was kind of like, I'm going to come out before my family do because my immediate family are joining me um, for Christmas. So my mum just arrived, and. Um, my dad and my sister, because they have work and college, respectively, um, are coming out this coming weekend, which is very exciting. Um, dad, dad is, like, beside himself. He's so excited because he's, you know, the classic Brit. He was raised in Sussex, and he just he loves coming out here. And so we're trying to get all the kind of, um, what's the word, like the shopping trips and stuff kind of out of the way before he gets here. We, like, um, we have places we want to go, like... <laughs> My mum and I really want to go to the tea tree plantation, the Thursday um, plantation, um, just to yeah. see all the all the tea tree. It's very exciting for us. But we know that my dad might not be very interested in that. So we're trying to do all these <laughs> things first and go to all the shopping centres, obviously, as well, because my dad will literally just want to go to the beach and that will be it. Um, and Sounds like how my family plan holidays. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll get all that out of the way first. But um, I also, uh, when I came out here, so I had my first week just kind of touching base and getting to see my family for the some of them for the first time in like for best part of five years I think um which was just really surreal and lovely um and I got so many hugs in and then after those first kind of five or six days um I then flew out to Melbourne um where I've never been before I've been to uh, the Gold Coast I think about seven or eight times and I've been to uh, Brisbane and Sydney um, and Cairns and uh, Port Douglas but I've never been to Melbourne and um, I think I was always told it's really like London so um, for some reason we were kind of like oh well we can see a lot of that kind of thing at home but no it was its own kind of vibe and I really really liked it I went to see my friend from home who now lives there um, and I did kind of a little um, like a pub crawl but with cafes <laughs> so I went to- <laughs> 
Oh, Melbourne is perfect for that. Yes. Whenever I was telling people, I was sort of saying, um, oh, yeah, I'm going to Melbourne. All I heard was, the coffee is amazing. That was all I heard. And I was kind of like, okay, now now I have to check out all the coffee places. And yes, they were right. It did not disappoint. Every coffee I had was fantastic. So, so yeah, so I did that. Yeah, Yeah, so I did that in my second week. And then this past week, um, I was, again, sort of catching up with family because I realized that those first five or six days was kind of not long enough, really. I missed them as soon as I left. In fact, when I um, I was coming back from Melbourne after a full week there, over a week, actually, and um, my flight was cancelled. Uh, and so I had to, um, my lovely auntie booked me a hotel and I stayed overnight near the airport um, and just sort of had the night to myself. Uh, I could have gone back into central Melbourne, but I didn't particularly want to, so I just had the night by myself. But yeah, I just needed to rest and um, I was, it was so, so lovely, but I found that I was missing my family, having only sort of seen them for like five or six days. So I was very excited to come back um, to the coast. Um, But uh, we've done some lovely kind of, because I didn't do many beach days in my first week here. So the past couple of days since my mum got here, um, we've walked along the beach and uh, we've gone for coffee sort of like adjacent to the beach. We've done a lot of beach stuff, which has been really nice. I just thought of something that I think you would enjoy and your mum too and probably the rest of your family because this seems like the vibe I get from you guys. And I've been here and it's really, really cool. But there is this place, and I'm pretty sure this is it, um, it's called the Crystal Castle. It's in Mullumbimby. Yes, and um, it's so funny you should say that. My um, auntie, um, my auntie Lindy, uh, is she's currently um, on holiday with her kids going to um, – the Monday markets it was something like that um and they're um, living in yeah and they're living in like this van that she sort of decked out I put photos on them my my uh, um and she uh goes to Byron Bay quite a lot I love Byron Bay I spent my 18th birthday there so it's like got a special place in my heart um <laughs> so I but I went there in my first week and I went to the Mullumbimby Music Festival um, which was awesome. I danced crazy amounts, um, especially because I was like jet lagged uh, still. But you know, it was a bit surreal. Um, but my auntie actually said, um, "Oh, there's this place called the Crystal um, Castle. I think she called it the Crystal Palace." And I was got really confused because there's a place, there's a football team in London called Crystal Palace. So yeah. I was like, Wait, yeah. what? <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but yes, no, I definitely want to go there. Um, I think we're going to go there when my sister gets here, which would be really cool. Yeah, and there's like a there's a drive you can do to it where you kind of go up through the hinterland and you get to see a bit of like the rainforest yeah. and stuff. It's really beautiful. That awesome. Yeah, you don't expect to have that at the back of the Gold Coast because the Gold Coast is all about beaches, but my nana lives kind of up towards where the rainforest stuff is and it's really oh, beautiful. Well, my um, yeah, you do get a whole lot of <laughs> beach and highway sort of in the, the area that I'm in because I'm in Southport at the moment. Um, but on my first day, because I, well, we, me and Michelle, landed at 6 a.m. So um, I then had to stay awake until, I think I lasted until about after 9 p.m. Yeah, that's I, I did good. And um, my nana um, had to go and meet a friend in uh, Malambimbi. And so we drove. The thing is with nana is she gets lost. Um, and so we went the long way around, basically. And we went through up towards Hastings Point and then sort of back down and all around these sort of twisty roads, like through like forest and stuff, which was actually really, really nice because I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I haven't seen any of this before. 
So it, it wasn't planned, but I got to see some sort of lovely um, sort of natural side to the Gold Coast, which was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, so something I wanted to talk okay. about when it comes to like blogging was um, the fact that you've been kind of recording a bit of your um, journey so far in Australia, but you wrote a little bit about how you felt trying to fit everything in. Um, and I certainly kind of felt a little bit of that when I was overseas and I felt mm. a bit of guilt if I wasn't doing something. Um, and yeah, it's kind of a complicated feeling, but I was like so tired as well. And yeah, you kind of wrote about how to, how yes, you felt about that. Well, Can you talk I, about um, that a bit more? And yeah, of course you get it too. I mean, I, as soon as I kind of told um, my friends at home, some of my friends at home, um, because the thing is, um, coming to Australia, it's always been like a second home uh, to me, sort of, just very, very far away. Um, and uh, because when um, my <laughs> sister and I were born, um, our Australian mum fixed us up with Australian passports. Um, and so, you know, and I've had a few friends actually over the past few years who have come out to Australia and they've had to obviously jump through all the hoops and get visas or whatever and um, I kind of sort of brag a little bit and say well I can go out whenever I want because I have a passport so it's really really handy and um, so <laughs> I am technically uh, a citizen which is pretty cool um, so when I say I'm going out to Australia it's not like um, uh, what a lot of people do they do they really overcommit to it like it's like this massive like life experience and like backpacking adventure and stuff like that I I didn't well for one thing I, I don't want to put that kind mm. of pressure on myself but um I I ended up doing it anyway I put so much pressure on myself because loads of my friends were saying oh so what are you going to do while you're there and I thought oh I was just going to see my family and kind of go sort of around the area where I've always kind of gone and maybe do a trip to a few places I haven't been before you know just casual but then I kind of went oh no I, I have to do stuff and so um, I thought about going to see my friend in Melbourne anyway and I did um, and that was great I you know do not regret that at all but um, as I sort of traveled into Melbourne and then out to Ballarat to see another friend um, I kind of was really really feeling the pressure I was mm. like oh my goodness what am I going to do next? Like, can I really afford these like couple of days of chill time, um, by, you know, by a lake kind of out in the sticks by Ballarat? Um, or should I be doing this, this and this? And I was looking at all these like day trips you could do and stuff like that. And it really stressed me out. And, um, and I was exhausted, like not just from jet lag, just from kind of the newness of everything. And, so then, and it took a really long time and my family, like the whole time were kind of saying, you don't need to kind of do anything don't feel like you have to um and I kind of got there on my own and I wrote this kind of long post about it saying it's a holiday not a project um or you know project as you guys would say um <laughs> I've started saying that now I've started saying project <laughs> um after being here for a few weeks but um but yeah and it kind of and then even when I said oh, I'm going to Melbourne some of my friends and family out here on the Gold Coast were saying, oh, go to this place, this place and this place, go to this cafe, go to this art gallery, try all these things. And I made a list. And then for the first few days, I put this massive pressure on myself. And then after a while, another thing I had to think of was kind of like, how would I feel if I'd recommended to a person places to go 
and they weren't able to go for whatever reason um would i be offended no i would just go oh okay that's fine you know you, you didn't have time whatever um but for some reason i just felt obligated to do all these things and go to all these places so i mean were there any places um michelle that you wanted to check out in london but didn't get the chance to or were, was there anything that you felt you had to do because you fitted you fitted in quite a lot while you were in the UK. So. Um, I feel like by the time I got to London, I was just incredibly tired because I had done something every single day up until that point. Um, I spoke about it on the yeah. podcast, but I was really disappointed um, that my day at Bletchley Park didn't go as planned because I got the wrong train and it was just a bit of a drama getting there. Yeah, so that was a bit that was a bit um, sad that I didn't get to spend more time there. But in London, I just was overwhelmed for choice, and I don't think. I don't think I could have made a wrong decision. Like anything I did would have been enjoyable because, um, yeah, I guess you can't really go wrong yeah. with London. I think actually I wish I had allowed more time at the Imperial War Museum because I ran out of time there um, before I had to go to something that I had booked, like a, an afternoon tea I had booked, and I didn't get to experience the the whole of the Holocaust Memorial. And I was I was also finding it really overwhelming to be in there anyway, um, because it's very full on um, the displays and stuff. But I wish I had more time to take that in. Yeah, well, it's yeah. funny when you think about all these different things that you're planning for a holiday because I didn't really feel that um, when I went overseas at the end of last year when mm. I was in Cuba and Mexico, probably because when you go to London or Melbourne or whatever, everyone has been there and they're like, oh, do this, do this, do this, do this. Whereas when I was telling people that I was going to Cuba, <laughs> not a lot of people had that many recommendations <laughs> for me. They're just like, wait, they allow yeah, people in there now? What? <laughs> yeah. But um, even when Michelle was in London, I remember saying to you about the – um, history of magic thing at the British Library. I was like, yeah. if you don't go while you're there and it's on, I was like, you'll regret it. I was like, Michelle, you have to go. Michelle, you have to go. Yeah. And I basically made you go, even though you said you enjoyed it. Yeah, it was good. There were too many people, but that was more it was of a still, planning thing. So yeah, thought, it was still yeah, good. It was good. But like, you know, we all do it. We all, like, I'm sure everyone said this to you as well, like when you were going overseas, you know, especially you know, people like to think that they know what you would like and I'm not sure about this for you, Grace, for things in Australia, but, like, probably every man and their dog was telling Michelle to go to, like, Abbey Road yeah. and, like, you know, the Beatles' childhood homes and all this stuff. And Actually, like, no, nobody told me that. That was, Really? Yeah, because no one knows that unless you're, like, yeah. really into it. They so, just tell you to go to Abbey Road. Yeah, and I'm like, no, no, I'm going to go to, like, yeah, other nah, places. You're like, nah, screw Abbey Road. <laughs> <laughs> one day I'll go to Abbey Road. Yeah. But, well, I mean, yeah. the thing with um, Australia is, and, like, it, it's kind of the thing I said about being a citizen, is, is so many people never get to come out here. And, mm. um, and I do, and I do genuinely really feel for those people. Cause I'm like, I think everyone should, I think everyone should travel in general, you know, but then I have friends in the UK who've never like sort of gone to many places in Europe and you know, it's right there. It's like an hour, an hour's flight away. Um, but, and then, but I think everyone should come over to Australia at some point. And I think every Australian should go over to the UK or to Europe at some point. I think it's just an awesome experience um, because it's, Compa it, it's comparatively quite easy for me um, because the thing is my family whenever we've come over here um, all we've had to do is buy flights and then we can stay we more or less most of the time we can stay with family 
Um, and that's what I'm doing at the moment. I'm staying with my nana. And then when my dad and sister get here, we're going to, we're renting um, my uh, uncle's place in Burley Heads. So we've always been sort of convenient in that respect. Whereas um, when friends sort of, when I tell friends, they see it as this massive thing because they can't see themselves ever doing it. Or, you know, it's like a dream for so many people. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, and it's kind of, I've been so, so lucky in that it's quite normal for me. So, so yeah, so I've never, but um, this is the first time I've come out on my own. Um, I always wanted to do that, and I wanted to do it um, at uni uh, because there was a whole kind of drama in my third year, and I kind of was sort of searching for something, and I was like, what do I want to do? Do I want to do another course? Do I want to go back home? Um, and then I kind of went, or oh, I could do what my dad did um, after he finished uni, and he went off to Australia with some friends for a year. And um, they kind of worked and they travelled all around and um, and he had the best time. And then he came back to the UK and uh, met my mum, who was over from Australia. Um, and That's then, a great story in itself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, um, and then uh, my mum has stayed over in the UK after she met my dad. Um and that's kind of what I wanted to do. I wanted to come out on my own for the very first time. And I managed to do that. And then it's even lovelier because then my family get to come out and meet me. So, Yeah, it's going to be it's, – it's so nice that you get that experience yeah, too. Definitely. And your family are so cool. I just want you to adopt me, like, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> they are so awesome. Um, so let's talk more about blogging. Yes. Um, so you've been doing it for a while now and you've written about a lot of difficult things in your life, um, as well as really great things. And I mean, it's been a few years now. So, um, how do you feel that blogging has changed you? Um, oh my goodness. I blog for different, well, I blog for many more reasons now, if that makes sense. Like I started my blog, um, when I was, I think I was 17, and it was between um, lessons at college one day, and I was sitting in the library, and I was thinking, I I was, I I say I was an angsty teenager, um, but I was just full Mm -hmm. of uh, feelings, and I didn't, I didn't know what to do with them, and I didn't have anywhere to put them, and I was always, ever since, from a young age, and um, i talked about this actually in a writing workshop recently um I would always write things down I would write stories and I would write my day I would keep fairly regular diaries but not you know kind of commit to them always but I would just write everything down and um and it took and after a while I think I was um getting going to secondary school I realized that not everyone did that I was like oh that's okay um but that was how I kind of got my feelings out um, writing stuff down but then after a while writing things in notebooks didn't seem like enough um, it was so yeah so I kind of found this I made myself a space um, online and it was the most simple thing just writing my feelings down in posts sort of editing them a little bit but not all that much when I first started and then I would just publish them and they would go out just into the world and it was like a release and kind of um, a relief and it was a happy place I made this happy place for myself and um, I don't think in the early days I really desperately needed or wanted people to read it I just had it for myself Um, but then as I sort of finished college and um, got into uni 
because uh, when I first started my blog I was just writing about you know how tough coursework was at college and um, how much I loved uh, my boyfriend and how much I fancied the guy in my drama class and like all crap like that and like um, <laughs> and but then as I got into uni um, I started my creative writing course and I shared my blog on uh, the creative writing um, students Facebook page and I said if anyone wants to kind of get to know me or um, sort of read my writing or whatever it's I put everything on here um, and then people started replying like my fellow creative writing students with their blogs and their links and they were saying oh yeah we I blog too I blog too and um, and that was great and so I had all these new blogs to read and that was still kind of early days so I didn't know of that many other bloggers so it was quite um, cool to suddenly find a group of people um, that I saw every day and got to read their writing online and uh, but then I went through a phase of being intimidated because some of them wrote like theatre or film or book reviews or um, creative pieces um, like we all would um, sometimes publish our creative writing assignments on our blogs for the others on our course to read and give feedback um, and that was really really good that was so helpful um, but yeah and then I kind of became more and more aware that anyone could read my blog um, when you know this girl in my drama class had a go at me because she thought she read something about her on my blog and I was like oh maybe I should so I kind of went quiet on there for a little while <laughs> Um, but I would still sort of post every now and again about sort of my nights out and mm. stuff um, and just how I was feeling still. And then uh, and then I started writing more bookish stuff, writing about books that I loved. And I think one of the first YA books I wrote about was The Hunger Games because I'd had this great experience seeing the film and then I read all the <laughs> books like in the space of maybe a week. I read all three um, and all my friends loved it and we were all kind of going to see it again at the cinema together and stuff like that and um yeah and then I started using Twitter to kind of publicize it a bit more and so it was kind of um doing all right and then uh but I was still quite quiet and then I had um uh, a few things kind of, I was about to say a few things come up I had a um, pretty nasty health experience and um my first instinct was to write about it because it wasn't the kind of thing I could write a Facebook status about. Mm. Um, so, and also because it actually, you know, it wasn't to inform people um, at all. I wrote it to begin with just because, again, I was full of feelings. Um, I'd been told all these things and I was having this like major sort of life upheaval. And uh, so I wrote about it to kind of just get everything out. Um, and then when I published it, I was like, yes, this is good. People will see it and I won't have to tell everyone what's going on because I didn't have time. Um, I had uh, a week between um, diagnosis and surgery. Um, and then uh, people started responding so, so well to it and like sharing it around. So like friends of friends, um, my parents, uh, colleagues and, um, you know, all the, all the parents of my friends and, you know, and all my sister, my sister's friends and my relatives in Australia and everyone was kind of sharing it around and so it started sort of get, obviously getting more readers and so I kept I never felt pressured to write anything um, on it about my health situation um, but I would do it just for that release for myself um, and to kind of and yeah the a nice side effect was keeping everyone updated 
and then that kind of built up my confidence again with blogging and I started thinking well it would be like my dream to kind of get paid to write it or to get a big following on it and make friends through it um so I sort of started committing to it quite a bit more when I moved back home after um my surgery and yeah and so I've started writing more about books and um breaking down hopefully a lot of taboos um and just writing updates about my life and it's yeah so my whole my whole life is on my blog basically that's what I'm saying <laughs> yeah that's um, amazing I really admire that because the closest I have if I mean Michelle you do some sort of other lifestyle posts sometimes this year I started to yeah, yeah the closest I have come to remotely revealing I mean unless you really read between the lines about the books I like and you know different things like that but the closest I have come to revealing much about myself on my blog as I wrote a post about how I feel about Marvel movies which relates to some friend drama that I had and I really needed to just write that to get it out of my system mm. and it has nothing to do with like my blog is pretty strictly books you know movies and tv shows sometimes that are bookish or adaptations mm. and Marvel really has nothing to do with that. I just needed to get it out. So it makes no sense to the rest of my blog, but it was there. <laughs> um, actually, I think I was a bit inspired by you, Grace, um, when I kind of was like, oh, like I write about books and obviously it's like the unfinished bookshelf, so it's quite a bookish name. Um, oh. And I, I remember thinking like, oh, well, like Grace is one of the people who like writes about books but can also write about other things. And I just kind of thought, well, you know, it's my space on the internet. So totally. we can do whatever we want with yeah, it. Yeah, we can do what we want. Yeah, you make the rules. <laughs> do you ever go back and look at your old posts? I do. In fact, I went through um, my drafts oh, a, a few months back, I think when I sort of changed, no, actually quite a while ago, when I changed to um, I was uh, almostamazinggrace.com and now I'm .co.uk. Um, and when I sort of went through that change and sort of made everything a bit more serious I was like I should probably go through and sort of um not get rid uh but just revert to draft a lot of old posts um and so I sort of devoted kind of a whole afternoon uh one day to that and I went through all my old posts and um I think I now have about 300 drafts um because <laughs> Of ones that you were just like, maybe this shouldn't be on the internet. <laughs> Which is seriously, like, when I see drafts, like, brackets 300, I kind of go, oh, God, and I feel so overwhelmed. And then I go, oh, no, wait, about 200, 250 of those are old posts that I decided I didn't want to share anymore. I wanted to keep them to myself. Um, I mean, there's nothing all that bad about them, but they just are a different kind of, you know, the way I used to write, if that makes sense. Um, and so I yeah. kind of, one of my top blogging tips will always be to keep everything, um, even if it's just for you, just keeping it as a draft, because it's kind of, it's not just the nostalgia and I can see like how I felt when I was at college and uni and stuff. Um, it's also to kind of see how, almost how far I've come um, with my writing and how I used to think and how I used to be. Um which is always yeah. just really nice <laughs> to have. And it's part of my life. Like, it's, yeah, my whole life. So. Well, exactly. None of that is worth, I don't think anything from our past, even if it's not really a part of us anymore, I don't think any of it is worth deleting. Kind of like you said, just keep it as a draft. Yeah. Remember it. I mean, it's, 
even if it's not published for the world to see, but like still, you know. Nice metaphor, yeah, actually. It's kind of yeah. like, it is a good metaphor. It's kind of like when some people say, if you were given, what is it, um, the Jim Carrey, Kate Winslet, Eternal Sunshine, if you were given the option to, like, erase certain memories, like, would you? And I like to think I would say no, yeah. because it, it kind of, Yes, yeah, so do I. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, even the bad, yeah, even the bad exactly. stuff. Yeah. yeah, working through it as part of your growth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, apart from um, that blogging advice, um, do you have any other tips? Because you've done a couple of seminars um, at your old university, mm-hmm. Winchester University, for people about blogging. So what's some of the other um, advice you've given oh them? Oh, goodness. I've kind of – okay, there were two massive bits of advice that I gave in all the seminars I've done. So I kind of um, – I uh, would construct seminars in such a way, like I started off with a Q&A and I, because that's a really good way to kind of break the ice and get them to ask me stuff that I might not know they want to know. <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, and it's really interesting what some people want to know. And mm. um, But then the general kind of tips that I sort of give sort of towards the end, we do all these different activities and stuff. Um, I'll say, write what you know. That's the all-consuming advice for writing, which, um, you know, is, as you know, it's it's gotten old with all the people saying it. But write what you know. But also what they don't say is always is write what you care about. Because, like, you know, you might be um, a pro at fixing computers. Um, but, you know, you might not want to write about that all the time. Um, so write what you care about. Like, if you read um, books that you love or um, even just watch TV that you love or you go to um, some kind of course or class and you want to write more about that. Um, so write what you know but what you care about. Um, and then also try and challenge yourself and others like I said, um, it never hurts to sort of strike, I was going to say strike out, that's incorrect, um, sort of, uh, what's the word, kind of, um, put, to kind of put something out there that you, to put, to put something out there that's a bit different, that you won't have seen anywhere or that you're not aware um, of anyone else writing about. Um, like, one of my most popular blog posts to this day is, um, and it was a couple of years ago, is the one that I wrote about female masturbation. Um, and that was because I hadn't read anything about it before. I mean, you know, I have since, um, because that blog post actually led to loads of recommendations. And, um, I've, and obviously I've got involved with Scarlet Ladies, and so I'm really <laughs> sort of in contact with a lot of awesome female like bloggers and brands and stuff now who kind of um encourage openness about that kind of thing but um I wrote about it because I couldn't find anything um so I wrote something and I say so kind of challenge yourself and challenge people um and their perceptions and try and break down what you feel is stupidly taboo um but also um what's my hand getting across Oh, reach out to people. Oh my goodness, reach out to people. Um, and I told the little anecdote that I'm stupidly proud of, which is that um, 
I used to just scroll on Twitter. I never used to talk to people. Um, I had a couple hundred followers. I would sometimes post out my blog link. I would talk to a couple of friends from home when I was at uni and there. Um, it was handy for that. But I, And I followed loads of celebrities and writers that I admired, but I would never in a million years reach out and talk to them. Um, and then one day, uh, Dawn O'Porter um, was a great writer. Um, I love her. Yeah, I've heard her in loads of... I've listened to her podcast and her in others' podcasts, and she's awesome. Um, but she um, wrote a tweet saying... She wrote writes this column in Glamour. Um, she wrote a tweet saying, does anyone have any life advice? You know, um, ask me your questions, and I'll answer them in my column. And... Uh, and I don't know why, I just had this impulse and I replied because I was at a, not a crossroads, but a tricky situation in my life. I'd graduated, I'd had my first lot of brain surgery, no big deal. Um, and I was in just a part-time job in a cafe and I wasn't sure what I was doing. And so I replied to her tweet and said, I've graduated with a creative writing degree. Um, I'm working part-time, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, I really want to use my degree, that's my dream. Um, do you have any tips for how to do that? And um, I wasn't really expecting anything. I didn't get a reply. Uh, but then, and then one of my friends from uni also replied to the tweet saying something similar. Um, and then I uh, got Glamour the following month and my tweet was in it. And um, Dawn Porter had replied, uh, which was so lovely. And I remember her advice. Her advice was just write. She said, I cannot say it enough. Just write. If you want to write, then you write and you keep writing until you know, you, you get noticed, you find something that you love and like, you know, just, just do it for you, first of all. And, uh, and that was great. And I have followed her advice since then. And, you know, and so that was just the first time that I reached out on Twitter, on social media. Um, and so it kind of inspired me to sort of carry on because the worst thing that can happen is you'll reply to someone's tweet or you'll comment on someone's blog or, you know, a lot of the time now I'll talk to publicists and authors for interviews for my blog. Um, and the worst thing that can happen is you won't get a reply. You know, I mean, um, and that's not that bad. You can just sort of keep trying. And so, yeah, so reach out and make, and you'll make friends. Yes, that's how we became friends. Yeah, exactly. Through, you know, a chat on Twitter, I believe. Yeah, so. I think that was how. And I was like following you for a while. And yeah, I don't know. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah, we go way back. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's talk more about sex, though. Um, I want to talk exactly. about um, Scarlet Ladies and being sex positive online and why it's so important to, yeah, be sex positive, talk about sex and make it normal to talk about sex. Yeah. Okay, so I, well, I got involved with Scarlet Ladies um, when I saw, the first time I sort of heard of them was um, when a couple of my friends had been to uh, one of their events, um, at which, you know, some um, amazing sex-positive women were talking, um, and one of my friends, um, Fiona Longwear, wrote a blog post about it, um, uh, about, she went to um, a blowjob workshop, as you do. And, um, and I kind That's of was awesome. like, yeah, I know. And I kind of, that was one of the most popular events actually, I think last year. And, um, so I kind of said, well, these people sound great, you know, and I kind of looked and I followed them for a little while and then they reached out and said, um, we want some, uh, ambassadors for our hashtag I talk sex campaign. Um, and I, I don't remember where I was, but I know I saw this tweet on my phone and they said, here's the link to apply. 
And normally I'll see something like that and I'll sort of bookmark it, you know, and save it and go home and do it later when I've sort of collected myself and got the time. But um, I stopped right there and then and I just did it right there and then on my phone. Um, and I applied to sort of be an ambassador and um, be a face kind of for them. Uh, and I didn't even have like a kind of awesome um, dramatic story. I just wrote, I want to be part of this campaign. I talk about sex and um, because I love it. That was like my line that they then kind of picked up on and kind of put on all my sort of media from then on. Um, I talk, I talk sex because I love it. That's you know, my thing. Um, where and then they liked me and I gave them all my social media links and my blog link and they sort of I got whisked away to London to have this photo shoot and stuff with them with these amazing like boudoir photographers and they got me to bring um, just an outfit that I felt fantastic in and I got my hair and makeup done I had got mini glasses of bubbles and um, and yeah and then I went <laughs> to the press launch for that and they had all the photos up and we talked to various kind of um, journalists we talked to five news um and loads of other kind of sex positive um, and sex education websites it was really really cool and then we had a party uh we went to the art of sex party and i got chatting with the co-founders two awesome women um sarah and jeanette and um they said uh do you know any freelance social media managers and then we sort of got talking and i said well i've done a lot of social media in my previous jobs i'd love to be on your team and kind of do that for you um, so I started doing that in September. Um, and so, yeah, and they are just constantly just so inspiring and innovative. And they, much like, um, you know, when I write my blog posts about um, virginity and masturbation and stuff, um, it kind of surprises so many people. And then I get so many kind of shocked responses, but I get so many responses like, oh, finally, someone's saying this. Um because so many other people haven't heard that kind of positivity elsewhere. Um, so I think what they're doing is so important and awesome. And um, so uh, I was quite sad. I was almost sad to come away to, um, to Australia because I've missed like a few of their events recently um, because I got very used to going up there like every couple of weeks <laughs> to their events, which is so awesome. They have like speakers and workshops and um uh, like classes and stuff and they do oh, they do such cool things and they have members only nights as well because they're a members club um, so some of their events are open to the public and then some are um, members only uh, and you can sign up for a membership and it's just their aim was to create a safe space where um, women could come uh, and just talk and be themselves and be free from judgement um, and it's just the coolest business venture ever <laughs> that's so that. awesome um and the other thing about being yourself as well is a um a post you wrote recently for an article you wrote recently for Huffington Post about your body and how your scars are like a map of your body and your life and um how do you feel about like learning to love the body that you're in and do you have any advice for um, people who might be struggling with their body image yes definitely oh my goodness it's only in um, recent years uh, that I've come to love um, just pretty much everything everything about my body um, because uh, and the kind of time that I started sort of thinking about it 
because it's gone through many changes over the years and I remember when just being at school and thinking um and thinking that I was fat and I wasn't um but that was just the kind of I don't know it was just how things were kind of projected um and I wasn't very sporty and I wasn't a dancer or anything and I was you know a library geek and um uh and so I kind of have always struggled um, with the image as I've sort of grown up. And then when I was at uni, I would fluctuate. Like um, I got, when I started uni, I ate a lot of food because I was just the novelty of being able to eat whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted. Yeah, cause it was like my first <laughs> yeah that's really dangerous. Yeah, it was my yeah. first time living independently. So I had like um, a whole drawer in my room just full of like sweets and treats. And I would get dominoes with friends like every week couple times a week sometimes and you know and um but then uh in second and third year um well second year I got a bit more um stressed but I was a bit more active and I started like um going sort of walking more places and um working um two jobs and playing uh, ultimate frisbee um the best sport in the world and um and so I got fitter and I like lost a bit of weight and so I kind of started then becoming a bit more aware of myself um, and then when I was ill, obviously, I um, put quite a bit on because they put me on steroids. And so I've kind of gone back and forth with how I felt about my body. Um, but then when I got uh, the scar from my two craniotomies um, on the left side of my head, uh, I had um, kind of... And then when my hair was growing back, um, it wouldn't grow over the scar. So... I switched uh, the parting, actually, my family hairdresser put my fringe on the other side of my face so that it would just cover this, like, bald line going back across my head. Um, but I wasn't subconscious of it, but um, I had to get used to seeing it every day. Like, I would um, dry my hair, and, you know, my hair would sort of fly back, and I'd just see mm. this line, and it's like this massive kind of question mark shape um, on one side of my head. Um, and... But I never um, disliked it. I just kind of went, ah, so that's that's there now. That's always going to be there. And so I kind of um, accepted it. And then sort of um, over the years, I've kind of um, embraced the kind of body positivity movement that I've seen all over social media recently, which has been awesome. And um, uh, and obviously being ill, and when I was ill this year, and I had to have, this is when it all kind of um, kicked off was this year when I had um, two surgeries on uh, my bowels and my it, I remember it so clearly, it was only a few months ago but I was having um, my dressing uh, refreshed on my tummy and it was just this big ugly line uh, down my tummy um, and my doctor said um, oh, you're going to have a really nasty scar, you're going to wear only like tankinis and, um, or like full body swimming costumes uh, from now on, you know, you're not going to want to wear any crop tops or anything. And, like, I was really kind of surprised by that, mm. and I was sort of thinking about it all the way home, and I kind of thought, well, I, you know, um, I hadn't really thought about it, but then as soon as I did, I was like, well, no, because this scar will sort of prove, it will just be a mark of where I've been and what I've been through and how I've, and how can out the other side. Um, and it's... And I do get really, really proud of it. And, like, I show it to anyone who will ask. Um, and, you know, it's... Um, it, 
I think it's been harder mm-hmm. to accept the big scar on my tummy because it's just right there, and um, and I see that every day, just constantly, um, more or less constantly. Um, but I kind of then started thinking about all the other parts of my body and all the other little marks I have, and obviously I've got you know loads of tattoos now. So um, I was sort of looking in the mirror one day, and I kind of thought, well, it's you know like a story that like your your body is where you've been, what's happened to you, um, how you've got through things. I got involved with the um, Behind the Scars project by Sophie uh, Mayan, who's an awesome photographer, and I went to see her in um, London. And this is when I was still Mm. wavering a bit about my massive tummy scar. Um, And she took these fantastic um, shots of me kind of pulling my tummy up, pulling my hair back for the head scar. And I've honestly never felt so kind of just badass and awesome and I came out of the um, studio afterwards and I was just like buzzing and I kind of thought and I wrote you know a piece for the project and I said it's a map um, of me it's who I am and I can look at all these and someday you know I'll um, be quite old and I can look at all these like different marks um on my body and I can go oh, yeah that was from that and I'll remember everything and or, or I can tell other people um you know, I might have um oh my god I might have like grandchildren someday or something and they'll ask why I've got um a line on my head or something um and I'll be able to tell people and it's it's so so important to accept because you could also say, and like I know some people who would be really blunt about it and say, you're given one body and you know, you've know you got to treat it well. You can do what you want with it because it's you and it's what you've been given and it tells your story. Hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and now for the final question. Um, I know you've prepared a bit for this, but what books have you loved in 2017 and what should we be looking out for next year? Okay, so, um, I've, well, I've already mentioned The Loneliest Girl in the Universe by Lauren James. Um, so awesome. I cannot, like, shout about that one enough. Um, and Flight of a Starling by Lisa Heufield. Um, I've also really enjoyed this year um, How to Stop Time by Matt Haig. I wrote a whole blog post just about that one book. Um, it was so beautifully written. Um and I also read Mad Girl by Bryony Gordon, which was a non-fiction about one of my favourite um, journalists, uh, sort of mental health, um, mental illness journey um, with her OCD, um, which was so inspiring and awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so, so uh, speaking of mental health, mental illness, um, the book uh, It's All Absolutely Fine by Ruby Elliott, um, also known as Ruby Etc., um, the artist uh, had me actually crying and howling laughing it was so good it's just it's, she just draws these like brilliant little cartoons and just manages to summarize like various feelings of like anxiety and depression and but also kind of um, body positivity and pride and all that kind of thing and I've since reading it it's this lovely kind of bright yellow big book and I've given it to my sister um, and she's really enjoyed it as well. She was laughing out loud, and um, my parents as well. And I've recommended it to pretty much everyone this year. Um, what else? I've also read a lot. It's um, I'm ch- I think I'm like covering every um, genre here, but I've read a lot of picture books this year. Because I interned mm. at Walk Books, and they are 
in my opinion, the best of the picture books. Um, but there's a book called uh, How the Sun Got to Coco's House by Bob Graham, um, which is a beautiful book, and I was considering giving it to my um, baby cousin for Christmas, but then I realised that I want to keep it forever. Um, so I've got him another one, it's fine. Um, and it's just this lovely story about how the sun travels across the world to get to, you know, um, this one place, this one boy. Uh, and then another um, picture book, uh, also by Walker, is Home by Carson Ellis. And that's kind of got, because some picture books have the most beautiful messages. And this one is all about the various different places that some people will find home. And it kind of teaches kids and any adults who read it that we all come from different walks of life and call different places home. And so yeah, so that's particularly lovely. Oh, nice. And anything um, being published next year we should look out for? Yes, next year. Okay, so um, this wonderful um, woman called Maggie um, who works for the BBC now, but she I met her when she was working for BuzzFeed talking about uh, mental health for them. Um, she uh, is being published... Um, and it's a book called Remember This When You're Sad, a book for the mad, sad, and glad days from a girl who's right there. It's a quite a long title. Um, yeah, but yeah. I think they've shortened it Sounds to just yeah. Remember This When You're Sad. Um, and uh, it just looks um, so perfect, and I'm so proud of her, and it's going to be this awesome fanfic about, um, her, about her journey and what she's found sort of works um, for her. And... Um, I mentioned recently in a recent blog post um, being sort of crowdfunded I think um, with Unbound is um, No Filter um, which is edited by Hilary Bell and it's a load of um, millennials kind of writing about their experiences um, in the current um, society and things and that's really really cool so definitely look that up on Unbound awesome and um one more is uh, a ya called the unpredictability of being human um which is being published in january 2018 with usborne and um uh, i actually heard about that one um because often if i'm given a book to review i'll be emailed um and you know and it will kind of be the press release and everything very official um, but this time, it was uh, the commissioning fiction editor, um, Stephanie King, um, direct messaged me on Twitter and said, uh, Grace, I really loved this post you wrote the other day. Also, we've got this book coming up. I think you'll love it. And she gave me kind of the blurb. And um, she, I could feel the excitement from the message. So I kind of replied and said, yeah, yeah, sure. That, I, that sounds great. I'd love it. And they sent it to me. And um, I was actually lucky enough to be sent two copies, so I ran a giveaway for it. Um, and it's just about, it's just this beautiful story about um, a teenage girl and all these things are happening around her. Um, but she's kind of in her own kind of bubble and she just observes everything that's happening. She doesn't really make a move to sort of change anything. And it's a really, really interesting um, kind of voice. Uh, I mentioned it on my blog recently as one of the strongest voices I've read this year because it was just something really different. So I definitely recommend that one for the mm-hmm. UK wow. people. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Grace. Thank you. Thank you for letting me ramble. I'm really aware that I talked a lot. (laughs) (laughs) No, we loved it. Um, Where can people find you online? Okay, so my Twitter and Instagram are both at underscore Grace Latter, or one word. 
Um, and then my blog is almostamazinggrace.co.uk. Um, and my Facebook page for my blog, which I try and maintain, is uh, Grace Latter Writes Things. Um, and um, obviously, I work with Scarlet Ladies, so you can find them if you're interested in like female empowerment. Why wouldn't you be? Um, at Scarlet Ladies Talk. Um, dot com. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. So I, for one, feel like so inspired. Yeah. <laughs> um, Thank you so much but, for having me. It's been awesome. Yeah. So everyone go follow Grace and of course, go follow us at Better Words Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find our website with all our show notes and everything on betterwordspodcast.com. That's also where you can sign up for our newsletter. And please make sure to leave us a rating and review and subscribe wherever you're listening. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks, guys. Bye.